Hello and welcome to Spooptober on the Grindhouse Girls podcast. This month we'll be focusing on some Halloween films to Hallow stream this spooky season. But of course, we'll be discussing all things spoopy, scary, and strange. As usual, we'd like to warn our listeners that some things that we discuss due to their graphic nature may be disturbing and listener discretion is advised. But for those of you who would like to be spooked out, keep listening and on to the podcast. Hello, and welcome to Sidetracks, the unscripted and unruly series where we share with you what we've been watching and whether it's worth your time. On this very special Spooptober episode, we'll be talking about the spooky things that you can stream right now during the spookiest time of the year. This is the Grindhouse Girls Podcast. Yay! Yay! We tried to say it together last time and it sounded awkward, so... (laughs) <laughs> yeah oh uh, hi Britt. hi katie hey i'm katie and i'm Brittany. obviously <laughs> so <laughs> sorry i was like i started uh katie has a sinus infection if you can't tell from her voice my voice so if i sound funky that's why or if i say stupid things because i don't know about you Britt, but when my head gets stuffed up i feel like i'm floating on a cloud and i just kind of live in a weird place at all times so that's probably <laughs> how most people think of me when they talk to me so I don't think anything of it. You you come to the ground every once in a while. You, every once in a while. You land every once in a while. Um, <laughs> how are you doing, Brett? I'm okay. It's been um, a crazy week and a very weird day. Uh, so this is perfect for our Grindhouse Girls podcast. I was on my way home to let my pups out on lunch. And we have a roundabout in our neighborhood. Oh, and yeah. literally, I go down the street for our roundabout. And I look to the left. And there's just two dogs. And they have an animal. And they what? are just, yeah, they are eating some intestines. Oh, no. And I was like... Uh, oh, so I, no. I stopped my car and I took a picture and I posted it in our neighborhood uh, Facebook page and I said, 
I told my husband, I was like, um, I attached the picture, but is it too gory? And he looked at it. He was like, yeah, that's a little gory. And I was like, okay. So I like <laughs> deleted the picture and edited the post to be like, there was a picture attached, but um, it was a little gory. Um, but it turns out, sure enough, uh, we did have someone in the neighborhood. They lost their two dogs. And, and they um, were foraging for themselves. <laughs> they were, yeah. And the thing oh, is, no. is that, like, I thought it was a rabbit because, like, the color of its fur. But it turns out because the guy was, like, I went up and picked the gopher's intestines up. So oh, it was my actually God. A gopher. Yeah, a big one. A big gopher. Oh, my God. They are pretty big. Yeah, but I just never thought, like, I'd be driving along on this beautiful, you know, fall afternoon yeah. and just look over and see a dog with intestines hanging out of its mouth. So. Well, I will say, your neighborhood is, like, it's, like, very suburban, but also yeah. there's, like, a there's like a, a woodsy trail that surrounds it that you can walk in. Yes. So, like, it seems very suburban when you're inside of it, but there's probably a lot of critters surrounding your neighborhood. It's just kind of nice, though, that you guys have, like, a woodsy, like, they have, like, like, kind of, like, a almost like a nature trail kind of thing. I do love it. And yeah. we usually, we usually walk that every single day unless it gets too dark too quick. Like, uh, so, for example, unfortunately, I haven't been getting home until, like, 7 o'clock yeah. Uh, in the evening most days this week. But normally, if I get home around 4 and then my husband gets off around 6, 6.30, we'll go take the dogs for a walk on the trail. Yeah. Um. What shall we, What have you been watching? What should we talk about first? Do we want to talk about, I know, the joint thing that me and you saw first? Sure. Yeah. We saw Pearl in theaters yeah. at Sidewalk Cinema in Birmingham. Yay. Yeah. Shout out to Sidewalk Cinema. I love them. They make very good drinks at their They bar. do make good drinks, and their concessions are pretty inexpensive, which is yes. really nice. Yeah. So. Everything's pretty. I d and the lady there who was working at the uh, box office, I wanted to buy a t-shirt, and she went and found the right size for me because it wasn't there. It was very nice of her. Yes. And now I have a Shining-themed t-shirt. Yes, Which incredible. Cool. Their bathrooms are themed like The Shining. Yeah. So if you are in the, the Alabama and you want to go to a really cool cinema, it is worth the travel to go to Sidewalk. Um, if you, especially yeah. if you're a horror fan, and they do it up for uh, last. We went saw Tatan last October, I think, is what we saw. Yeah, we did. And yeah. They had like they had like a Georgie, uh, mannequin with the arm ripped off. <laughs> And all kinds of stuff. It was great. Like, skeletons and things. It was fun. And it's really cool because you can also do dinner and a movie. Because even though you can get, like, popcorn and snacks there, right above it is the Pitsits Food Hall. And yeah. it's like there's multiple restaurants up in the Pitsits. So, yeah. Have dinner. Have a movie. It was support. Like a, it was a whole evening. Yeah. Um, but the movie, I loved it. I thought it was campy, technical, or fun. There is gore, but it's it's very spread out gore. It's more of a character study about... Mia Goth's character just descending into madness. Yeah, there is like slight spoilers at towards the yeah, end of the spoilers. film. There's like a nine minute. There's a nine minute monologue that's oh absolutely incredible. It's absolutely fantastic. incredible. Oh my god! Love. And like she's just it. got like mascara like streaming down her face, all kinds of stuff. It's just amazing. I will say, like the thing is, it's like Mia Goff like pretty much carries the movie because there's only like what five actors and pretty yeah. much the entire film. She carries 
the film. It's not really scary. I didn't jump. I think no. I maybe jumped one time and there was like a jump scare moment. So it's not scary, but it's very tense. Um, And then there is like one or two moments of violence that I did kind of gasp. Like it wasn't scary, but it was just more like, holy shit, that is like incredibly violent. Yeah. When it is violent, it's very violent. <laughs> Yeah. I also love the part, people have been all over this on TikTok, but the where she's like, why are you leaving me? This is why, well, why, what did I do? Why are you leaving me? I'm like, oh, it's so good. I love that. Yeah. It's so I'm good. I'm going to be a star. I'm going to be a star. And I'm like, I don't have the sewing skills to make a pearl dress, but if I did, I'd be making a pearl dress. I think I have changed my Halloween plans from being... I might still be Laura Palmer, but now I'm like, can I do pinup ash from the Evil Dead? Oh, that'd be cool. I just need a children's chainsaw to rip apart. But yeah, no, I really liked Pearl. I think it's not, I wouldn't call it scary. I don't even know if X was really that scary, but X had more violence. Yeah, X X was definitely more traditional slasher than Pearl is. But also, like, there's, like, dead bodies rotting and, like, the the dinner scene at the very end where her husband, spoilers, comes home and there's rotting corpses and a rotting meal. Yeah. Like, that was disgusting. Yeah. And looked very realistic. And, yeah, I just, it was, it was, I was very, like, questioning, like, why would they do that? But, like, honestly, it was well done. And I I think it was cute. I like it. It was good. I'm glad it's getting attention on the TikTok because they're also going to do Maxine. And, yeah, I would highly recommend it. I think it's a fun thing to go and see, you know, for Halloween. Um, X is streaming on Showtime now. So if you wanted to see X and you didn't want to pay for it, um, it's on Showtime because Showtime has that A24 clause where they have like all the A24 movies. Although the Vavitch isn't on HBO Max right now. So I'm like, mm. well, that's weird. But the Lighthouse is still on Showtime. So I don't know, y'all. I don't get those. I know there people are merging and there's all these kinds of things. But there's a lot of good things streaming. I know we kind of went over that last week. Yeah. I would say X is probably more widely recommendable to yeah. like an average audience. But Pearl's still really, really good. Like Pearl mm-hmm. definitely does give that deep character study. And like I said, like, I mean, I'll watch that film all over again for the monologue. If oh, my else. God. Although we did bring our friend Peter with us who was visiting and he had not seen X. So he was like, wait, so what? So we had to explain. We're like, okay, so in X, because he listened to our episode on X. We were like, so like, this is the lady who did all the killing in X, but this is how she went crazy. Because he was like, I was sitting next to him. He seemed very confused at several points. He was just like, what? I will like, say, there's a lot of nice callbacks to X, too, mm-hmm. like, sprinkled throughout the movie that I was like, oh, 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 like, you know, like, there was a lot of things that I was like, oh, this, you know, it makes sense, like, there's a lot of little neat connections that you see yeah. there, like, even the opening shot of X is through the barn doors, and right. it's the opening shot of Pearl, too. I loved it, though, because you, you have that moment where it's like her mom confronts her about, like, the... Th- things you I see you do the things that you think no one knows like you don't think anyone's watching you when you do them Mm -hmm. and so you think like it's like oh she must be in like the sexual stuff because like what she did with the scarecrow and filled and then you think about the ending monologue and you're like oh no like she's been like hurting animals and stuff like she's full-blown like serial killer yeah like and I really really like that aspect that it was like during that monologue you had a lot of like things that just dawned on you that it was like okay this didn't just happen in the 
span of the time of the movie, these have been things that have been building her whole life, and they just come to a head completely. Did you watch the House of the Dragon? Oh, Six God. And seven? Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. Oh, we're, like, Sunday nights at 8 o'clock, we're refreshing the <laughs> HBO Max to watch it as soon as it airs. Like, I have my glass of wine, usually. Like, I got, like, sometimes popcorn if I'm feeling it, and right, I'm ready. Right. So... I had I had to watch both the last two episodes, like, because I've had stuff going on Sunday evenings, so I've had to watch them not on Sunday evenings, so I've had to, like, not talk to anybody who watches House of the Dragon. I'm like, don't spoil it for me. Um, I hate Allison. Yeah, this is, it kind of makes me sad in a way, because it's, oh, I, well, I keep joking, because I'm like, who's Team Green? And then, like, I sit there, and you know, um, Olivia Cook has just become an ambassador for Fitney by rihanna i'm like oh okay there's team green because she she, yeah she is looking smoking um so i'm like okay i can see why people may be team green but yeah (laughs) it kind of makes me sad because it's like they're not really likable in any way and rhaenyra is well rhaenyra's team black so yeah i've kind of liked the storytelling aspect of this show Mm -hmm. because from what you've told me about fire and blood is it's from outsider's perspective so you don't get the full truth and so up until this last episode i felt like they were doing a good job of like giving you different possibilities for what really happened but then at the very end of this episode i don't want to spoil anything if you haven't watched it yet you know you think that rhaenyra has done just as badly as allison has but as soon as like i saw the body in the fire i'm like oh they didn't really kill him no he's not really dead um, and he's, and they, they actually, like, just faked somebody's death to help them have a better, more accepting life. Yeah. Which is kind of nice, actually. But, like, but, but you are on very uneven footing with Alicent and Rhaenyra, because Rhaenyra hasn't really done anything bad. Like, yeah. she's done not great things, but she hasn't had anyone murdered. Exactly. And I think, like, during the Dance of Dragons, we will see a few, like, I keep coming back to what, spoiler, guys, something's gonna happen to Helena Targaryen, and, like, I do feel Oh, yeah, she's too good for this world. Yeah, she's, I love her. Also betrothed to her brother. Yeah, and it's like, oh my god, that's like, it's like, of course, like, they would do that, you know, and that's, I knew that was coming anyway, but it's like, so there is something and that happens to Elena. And the oldest brother that she's betrothed to? Yes. Youngest, yeah. Yes, the oldest. Who's yeah. a little dick. He is. And that's the thing. So they do mention in the novel that, like, he had sired many bastards before he's forced to marry his, his sister wife, essentially. Yeah. Um, which I do like that because they do make him, like, very, very lusty in the show. But, like... It's also making me not be as disgusted about uh Damon and Rhaenyra getting together because I'm like I mean she is an adult and at least they're uncle and niece and not brother and sister yeah like I guess that's as good as we're gonna get for Targaryens also they both have dated people outside of their family but I feel like it's weird to just marry your family members it is by today's standards, and I know a lot of people who are particularly new to this series are, like, really disgusted. I'm like, yeah, guys, because, you know, in today's society, we don't marry our uncles, but they are based off European nobility, and that's what they used to do back in the day. Yeah, the but not siblings. Strong. They didn't really do siblings. Uh, in e- Egypt. E- so oh, you're in, right, yeah. you're right. In yeah. ancient Egypt, they did, because you could only prove your maternity but they wanted them to be pure mm-hmm. blood, so you would have to marry your brother. Yes, you're right. That, yeah. Because I remember reading the Cleopatra Royal Diary series, 
and she was talking about, like, I'm going to marry my brother. I was like, what the hell? Why do you have to marry your brother? And, like, it was very weird. Yeah. Also, can we talk about, like, the blood oath they took when they got married? I was like, dang. Oh, see, that's the thing. So I, I never heard of, like, and it makes sense because it, by the time of Game of Thrones, like, Danny and Viserys are the last Targaryens, essentially. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's a whole other story. But anyway. Well, official so, Targaryens. And they don't, they don't get married. So it's like, I never actually knew that was, like, a thing for Targaryen marriages. But I thought it was really cool. Yeah, it was cool. I like their outfits with, like, the... Oh, God. The, it's just so funny because the kids are like watching like they're there's like they're watching their parents get married and literally like it was like well he was just married to our uncle and our dad's now dead it's like the most traumatic like it was just week yeah of their life. it was just that's gonna be an awkward family thing but at least like they do seem to both um damon doesn't really seem to care about his kids but i feel like Rhaenyra does and so i, I feel like I did get frustrated because, so there is scenes that after Lena's death that it shows uh, Damon hugging the girls, and they cut it. And I don't know why. Oh, so annoying. Yeah, because it makes him look very unsympathetic towards his children, when actually, like, he was comforting his children in mm-hmm. their grief. But I don't know why that didn't make, like, why it got put on the Maybe he'll floor. become a better father after he marries Rhaenyra. Yeah. Maybe they want to make her make him a better man. Well, the next episode will be the final time jump, and the kids will be played by the adult versions of themselves. But from mm. here on out, from here on out, it will be the same actors for the rest of the series. So mm. interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, can't wait to see more of that shit. There's only three more episodes left in this season, and that's like making me sad because it's been a complete joy to have like it back in my life to some degree every Sunday night. Yeah, so. I think I don't, I'm not as hooked. To the Targaryens as I am to the Starks, mm-hmm. but I like, I like Rhaenyra, and I like, I like Damon. I don't know if I like Damon. Um, I like Matt Smith playing Damon. Uh, I do too. <laughs> you know what? But, it's, oh, you go on. Well, it's just like, like there is some political intrigue, but it's not as complex as it was in Game of Thrones. And they're like you don't you see some other houses, but not as many. So I'm hoping they do more of that in the next season because like I really want to see more of Westeros and like again like I'm just not the biggest Targaryen fan so like for me like I enjoy it but I wouldn't say it's like a I can't wait to see it every week but I like it and I'm enjoying it and I think it's a really good show but I will say I think if you were really big team Daenerys you will absolutely love this show if you were but even if you're like me where you were very neutral about Daenerys You'll probably enjoy it still, because I'm still enjoying it. One thing I really liked about this episode was that, like, I loved how it focused so much on the kids. Yeah. Um, and it makes me sad that, like, obviously these children actors will now be replaced by the adult versions of themselves. But I thought it was very poignant when Corley's is talking to uh, Luke Luceres, and he's like, you're going to be, you know, you're going to be over the chair of Driftmark. And he's like, he's like, I don't want it. I was like, oh, like, it makes you think of Jon Snow. But he's like, it means everyone else is dead. And it's like, wow. And this that was world of sweet. And this world of people fighting over titles and claims, like, this kid has it completely right. Like, he doesn't want it because it means everyone he loves would be dead for him to have it. And I thought that was, like, a very touching moment in the midst of all this chaos that's kind of yeah. going on in this episode. I I don't know if you heard this, but when I was looking up some stuff, apparently the co-authors of 
George R. R. Martin's newest novel, not A Dream of Spring, but The Rise of the Dragon and Illustrated History of the Targaryen Dynasty, Volume 1. Apparently, mm-hmm. like, they're getting some, eh, like, some backlash because all the Targaryens are very, very, very white. And, like, everybody is, like, just very European looking. Yeah. And there's not a lot of diversity. And I'm like, I feel like House of the Dragon, and honestly, some of Game of Thrones did a good job. Not all of it, but some of Game of Thrones did a good job of having a somewhat diverse cast. Well, that was you know. the big thing that they had. Um, well, so I think the new book, not. <laughs> I think, uh, and I hadn't heard that. That doesn't surprise it me. It literally really. came up like today or yesterday. Yeah, because like, I was looking up House of the. I was trying to look up somebody's name that I couldn't remember, so I was trying to look up a summary, and that was the first thing that came up when I went house story. I was like, ooh. It's interesting. So it's like, so of course in the GOT fandom, a lot of people are frustrated because they're like, we're getting another Targaryen book? Just fucking finish The Winds of Winter. That's all we're asking for at this point. So like, you know, that's a frustration. Um, I do know with D&D, after Game of Thrones season eight wrapped, they had like this interview and I read a transcript of it like a while ago. I did not watch it. And it's been it's been since uh, season eight has aired, which has been, what, like 30 years ago now. Yeah. Um, but they got called out. And it turns out they had like one, I think, person of color in the writer's room. Uh-huh. So I think, yeah. So I think with House of the Dragon, they really did try to reverse that. And I think the yeah. Valerians are typically described as being like European with like silver hair, much but I, like. I the like the choice. I do too. And I, I also think it makes the fact that Rhaenyra's kids are most likely not Laners, Laners, yeah, uh, more obvious too. Yeah, because I'm like Rhaenyra. Listen, I'm not. I know you guys tried, and I know you had to find comfort elsewhere. But maybe next time you pick a lover, pick okay. someone who looks like your husband. I so will people say, aren't so curious. I will say this, and this is probably the fucking GOT nut in me. But, like, if I was Rhaenyra, because Rhaenys, Laenor's mother, is Targaryen and Baratheon, I would be like, you dare deny House Baratheon? You know, the seed is strong. (laughs) The seed is strong. And you know what? Remember, that's how they figured out Joffrey and all of them were... Jamie's Lannisters. kids. Yeah. And I mean, they don't say, like, they don't necessarily no. say that that the seed is strong, but that's what, I mean, literally, Rainey's is originally described as having black hair with silver streaks, because even yeah. when she's younger, she has black hair, yeah. because she's a half Baratheon. Right. So that's what I would claim. I would just be like, children like, take after their grandmother's side. They Which, have dark hair. They're Baratheon. It's not like they didn't try, and I like that they did mm-hmm. approach that, like, we tried. It's just like, you can't force people to be attracted to each other. But it's a nice thing for Laner. I, I think I'm glad he's going to have a life in Pentus that's going to be much happier for him, hopefully. And I also like that Rhaenyra isn't a murderer. That was the one thing, like, when she, like, they were talking about Laenor having to be dead, and she's like, I know, and I was like, no, 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 because it's like, she's been so likable, and I was so scared. Yeah. And I'm so glad they, they went the route they did. I thought that was, like, it was. I feel bad for the servant they killed. Um, but it was. A, it was a beautiful was like, thing that happened. I know. It's just like God forbid. I guess we, we've been talking about this for like twenty minutes. So I guess I know. we we'll should hop on. off this. But we have to get that out of the way. Speaking of Halloween things to hop off of. Sorry, I watched the Munsters movie. Ah. Oh. 
It was not as bad as I thought it was going to be, but it wasn't great, and I don't understand why it wasn't just a TV show or miniseries. I will say, Herman not having Herman's voice kind of faded away after a while, so in the grand scheme of the movie, like, he was funny. And Sherry Moon Zombie was, did this weird thing where she was, like, shaking her head every time she talked. And it was like, I was like, did Lily Munster do that? Or is that something Sherry does? But I don't remember her doing that in her other movies. But it seemed like it was a choice. Maybe it wasn't. If it wasn't a choice, I'm apologizing right now. But it seemed like it was a choice. But then she kind of stopped doing it after she and Herman had scenes together. So, but it was just like her voice was real weird. Herman had Herman and Grandpa had very unique voices. Grandpa was pitch perfect the whole time. Pitch perfect. He was the best part. And... You know, they made this big deal about building Mockingbird Lane mm-hmm. all over social media. They spend, like, literally the last, like, five to ten minutes of the movie on it. Wow. So Because it mostly takes place in Transylvania where you're meeting them. And then, like, they spend all this time with, like, Lily's brother who's a werewolf, which was literally, like, in one episode of The Munsters. I would have rather met her sister who's Marilyn's mom. Yeah. Because, like, I'm like, I want to know how that happened, because why does Marilyn look like that? But everybody else in your family is a vampire or a werewolf. I'm very confused. I mean, they had some origin stuff that was fine. I just, like, and it was, like, perfectly appropriate for families. There wasn't anything, like, dirty or gory or anything. And Elvira had a cameo as a real estate agent that sold them their house. But, like, it wasn't bad. And if you have kids... It would be a perfectly fine thing to watch for Halloween. Yeah. It's on Netflix, so, like, if you already have Netflix, give it a watch. But I've also been watching a lot of, in addition to the the Shudder's 101 Scariest Horror Movie Moments show, uh, Shudder has a lot of docuseries about horror movies that is very enjoyable if you like horror movies. They, okay, I can't remember who told me to watch this. Some, like well-meaning well-meaning soul told me to watch eli roth's history of horror Mm. Uh, i think it was somebody at work and i was like well i'm not a big eli roth fan except in inglorious bastards when he's carving things into nazis foreheads well i guess he just beat the shit out of them but either way like not a big fan of eli roth because we've talked about the stupidity that is cabin fever and um hostile but i do think like rob zombie he has a love and appreciation for horror so i will say like he has some really good guests like he has stephen king on there and stephen king's son who's who wrote, joe hill yeah who wrote the black phone i think yeah the short story yeah. the Black phone yeah and he's written a lot of stuff he's a he's a writer as well and they've co-written some stuff together too and like it's interesting, but it, I've also noticed a lot of the people that they have on all of these shows are vi- are the same, and sometimes they're in the same backdrop, and I'm like, did they just use the same interview for all of these? I mean, that's fine if that's in their contract, but I was like, I feel like they're kind of piecing these interviews together. Or, like, Greg Nicotero, who's a special effects artist who's done a ton of stuff, I feel like he's told the same story about the misery feat 
scene so yeah. often that I'm like, maybe he just says it the same way every time someone asks him about it, and that's why it feels like they're using the same one. But he does interview people on camera, so that person lied to me, because he's on there a lot, and he does the voiceover for it. So, but it's, I don't hate Eli Roth, I just disagree with his his version of horror, how he executes it. But if you want to know more about horror stuff, I will say they've got some really good people on there. They've got some interesting interviews. And Queer for Fear is good, too. Alaska Thunderfuck, the uh, All-Stars Season 2 queen of RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars. She's on there. Um, cause she's kind of a campy horror queen and, um, she's wearing this fabulous dress that the sequins are, look like it's dripping blood and I want that dress. It looks so cool. Um, but I was like, oh, I like, I think there's a lot of drag queens on it from the posters. So they've only had one episode and they release every Friday. I'll, they'll have another episode, but it, it's an interesting look. And like, sometimes like we were saying when we did like, you know, um, Diabolique, like, how there's a lot of queer-coded movies that, like, maybe we didn't pick up on, but I like watching this show because it's, like, stuff that, like, you probably would only pick up on if you're queer. So, for those of us allies who want to learn more, but want to actually get the facts straight from our, our alphabet mafia friends, um, you know, we can watch this and be like, oh, I can expand my horizons without, like, thinking I, you know what I mean? Like, it's nice to hear from actual queer people what queer horror is, and I like that. I think you saw something that was streaming. I did, so I watched a few different things that was streaming this week, honestly. Um, But I guess the first thing I'll say is uh, I watched Blonde. Uh, oh, no. It is the Netflix movie that uh, Netflix, if I'm understanding right, they bought it sight unseen. It's based on a Joyce Carol Oates novel. It's directed and written by Andrew Dominic. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out who this movie was made for because it's definitely not people who love Marilyn Monroe. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I have one friend who apparently loves Marilyn Monroe and I heard through the grapevine that she absolutely hated it. This movie, what I will give for it, so, and I was telling you a little bit before we started recording, I was like, I I don't know if I'm a little bit desensitized after watching so many movies over the years. I don't think it deserved an NC-17 rating. Uh, there is a few shocking scenes in the movie, but they're not like, a, they're sexual assault. That's shocking, yes. But yeah. not... I think I've seen so much worse in other movies that have still been given R ratings that I'm a little shocked that this one got the NC-17. I'm about to go into spoiler territory just completely, guys. You kind of have to talk about this movie. Um, So it's two hours and like 47 minutes long. It's a long movie. Um, And Anna de Armas is amazing in this movie. But the thing that kind of bothered me is that it's one traumatic thing happening to Marilyn after another traumatic thing. And so it's, Mar- like, Precious? I mean, at least Precious was, like, learning how to read and, like, she was, like, sharing her story <laughs> and stuff. True, like, I guess so. I always felt like I loved Precious, but I also was like, I don't think I can watch it a second time because I'm too depressed. Yeah, it is. Precious is a is a movie that I would absolutely agree that it's, like, it's such a great movie. The performances are phenomenal, but, yeah, it is kind of a, such a downer that not many people would seek it out a second time. With Blonde, it's, like, what I will give the movie is that there's so many, so 
and you know Dom Andrew Dominic created like so many iconic like photos and movie scenes like to a T. Like it That's is incredible good. how like some of these pictures and stuff were recreated. So the movie is beautiful. But the thing is is that there's so many things that have ha- that happened in this movie that have never been said like even to Marilyn's closest confidence. So there's two different abortion scenes. Um, her closest confidant has never said anything about her getting abortions. There's all these interviews that have been done with her, yeah. and it's never been a thing brought up. Now, the argument there could have been, like, well, back in the day, you know, a lot of Hollywood starlets were forced to have abortion. Judy Garland's the first one that comes to mind about that. So She's also thing- forced to be on amphetamines. Yeah, exactly. Uppers and downers. You Don't know, watch the Judy Garland story. It's depressing. I remember watching it as a kid. I was so excited because I was like, oh, it's Judy Garland. It's Judy and I was like, oh my god, Judy's life was horrific. And my mom's like, yes. Yeah. Also, the Temptations biopic. Horribly depressing. Yeah. But good. Good music. It's, it's like one of those things that, like, we knew this stuff happened in Hollywood. And, I mean, yes, it could have happened to Marilyn Monroe. But, once again, we don't know for sure. What we do know is that she had confided that she had been sexually abused in foster homes growing up. We do know that she, her mother did try to kill her at least, like, two or three times in her childhood. So, those things, like, her mother trying to kill her happens very early in the movie. So, those are, like, things, Ooh. like... Do I really want to see it on screen? No. But do at least we know this happened? Yes. But there's so many other things in the movie that are fictionalized. Like, so it's like, she had, in the movie, there's two abortions that are performed. One of them, it shows the inside shot of her vagina and it's being cut open. And you see the doctor, like, peering inside. Um, And then there's two different sexual assaults that happen um, in the movie. There's, uh, There's a scene where she's like, She's involved in a threesome relationship, and one of the two men is Charlie Chaplin Jr., or they call him Cass. So she had a relationship mm-hmm. with Cass. That's true. There's nothing that ever supported that she had, like, a threesome relationship, though. So there's, like, all these little things that they, like, up the ante on. And the thing is, it's, like, the, the movie never gives her any, like awarding moments like if you know anything about Marilyn's life you know she eventually started her own production company there's no mention of that like Mm. there's a scene where it's like after she has her first abortion later in the movie she's married to Arthur Miller and it's like they're pregnant and she's so unbelievably happy and like the fetus like talks to her which is like what the fuck and it's like are you gonna harm me like you did last time and oh my god yes yes (laughs) and I'm just like I'm like, at this point, I'm like over halfway from the movie. I got like, I gotta stick it out. I gotta stick it out. Mm. And the Armist is so good. It's just like, I'm so disappointed that there's not a happy moment for her in the entire two hours mm. and 45 minute runtime. So, but there's like all these things. And like, it's it feels incredibly misogynist. It's just really sad. Like I said, it's a beautiful movie. There's some really gorgeous scenes in the movie that are just like, beautiful but i i mean can i really recommend two hours and 45 minutes of trauma to somebody for for beautiful scenes i don't know it's one thing if it really happened in their life or if they're a totally fictional character like precious precious is like an amalgamation Mm -hmm. of a lot of i think push had a lot of short stories the book that precious is based on i want to say it had it was a collection of short stories and they kind of took a little bit from everything Kind of like Drive My Car, where they took a little bit from every short story, but, like, had one main story. So she's, like, an amalgamation of a lot of women's struggles. Like, I hated how depressing that was. Mm -hmm. But also, I was like, I get it, because she's not a real historical person. 
And I get what they're doing with, like, putting all of this on her because this stuff does happen to a lot of people. Probably not all of it to the same person, but it does happen to people and she's not a real person. But Marilyn is a real person, was a real person. And I'm like, if it didn't happen to her, why is it in her biopic? Because, you know, some people will watch this and be like, take it as the truth. And she's not here to defend herself. I find it rude. It's, I don't know. Like, there's few biopics that I feel are really true. I don't know. It sounds like they made some interesting creative choices, at least, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, and the thing is, is that I think, like, because if I'm not mistaken, their blonde was, like, up for the Pulitzer Prize when Joyce Carol Oates wrote it. So it was, like, a massive novel, and it was, like, a best-selling novel. And I think she took a lot of liberties, like, from, like, gossip columns and stuff, too. So, I mean... I get that it is based on Joyce Carol Oates, but I think it's also, like you said, it's very easy for someone to see this and go, you know, this is the absolute, this is what happened to her. And we don't know for sure 50% of this film happened to her. I don't know. Yeah. I think, I think like, the big thing about this, this isn't the traditional biopic. It's meant to be, like, a fever dream. And I get that completely. And I guess someone could argue, they're like, well, there's some happy moments with her and Arthur Miller. I'm like, yeah, but that lasts no time at all. And this like two hour and 45 minute runtime mm. and so that's like the thing that like if there had been some more wins for her but it just made her seem such a like tragic figure and she was like i mean she had a lot of tragedy in her life but i mean she was also so smart and it does it does it does touch on that a few times like she'll mention certain offers that she's read and stuff and people yeah. are like oh you actually read that and it's like you can see the look on her face where it's like yeah i did and it's like because people associate her as a dumb blonde archetype and she's not and it's like so they touch upon it but they don't really dive into it mm. but they don't necessarily which may lead me into one of the other things i streamed they don't yeah. necessarily have to consult relatives on things which has been the case with the Dahmer tv series yeah i watched the first two episodes of that uh i we've watched the first six um i'm sorry apparently episode six is where it gets really bad uh six is six has the most free dimensional performance of his uh victims and you really get to know and like the man uh, before what happens, so I think that's why six has been the hardest on a lot of yeah. people, including myself. Like six was a very hard watch. Honestly, two episodes in, and I do not. I think you're probably the same way. I don't get disgusted by gore very often, but there's something about it being a true story, and he was very descriptive when he was caught and very honest with what he did. And because of that, I know most of this probably actually happened. Yeah. And it makes me really upset because I don't think we should glorify Jeffrey Dahmer. And I think the Evan Peters is phenomenal. Yeah, he's really good. I mean, he's always phenomenal. I think he's fantastic. And I, I like that they have Robert um, Jenkins. Mm-hmm. Robert Jenkins is his dad. I think he's phenomenal. The whole cast is very talented. But it makes it all the more hard to watch because it does seem real and i i do feel like i know they're trying to take it from the victim's perspective 
But it, ugh, I don't know. I just... I know that was the big thing they kept saying, but it feels like we spent so much more time with Jeff. And the, finally, do. the, the fir- sixth episode is the first episode that's really heavily focused on on him versus Jeff. Okay. On Tony. So his name's Tony. Well, I know what happens to the person. I haven't finished episode two. I had to stop it for a second because I think I was eating. <laughs> and I was like, I can't. Yeah. And unlike Raw, where I was excited that it made me nauseous because, like, it had a purpose, there's no purpose to what Jeffrey Dahmer did. What he did was cruel and awful, and I know that he had kind of a rough childhood, and I get that, but, like, there is no excuse for what he did. And I don't, I, I don't know, there are some people where I can understand why they did the things they did. I don't think it's okay, though. And I feel like there have been so many movies made about him that I don't understand why this was needed. And I feel like we're at the yeah. point with the true crime stuff where it's getting perverse. And we're the only thing, like, I do like that they're showing Niecy Nash's character, you know, calling the cops and, like, pointing out that she has called them several times. So that is one thing that's been a little saturated for the show because I started looking up because I was like, what's the saturation? What's true? So that's true. She She called like six times, I think. Yeah, so that is true. But it turns out she wasn't his neighbor. She lived in a neighboring park. Yeah, she lived across the street. Mm -hmm. So I like, I I mean, people did call. I don't know. Oh, they complained about the smell. Like that was supposedly people have been complaining about the smell for like, I guess like a couple months before he had been captured. Yeah. I will say so. I I can't remember what episode we actually see Jeff living with his grandma, but it's kind of like. It's the second one. It's the second one. So it's kind of like frustrating because I told Taylor, I was like, you know, I was like, the thing is, is that there are signs there, but it's like his family is wanting him to be normal so badly that they're not seeing the signs. And it kind of makes me like sick to my stomach because it's like makes you wonder how many people like they turn a blind eye because they don't want to see the truth. Yeah. I would not suggest it for people with a weak stomach or who are easily rattled because it is rattling me. And I don't often get rattled by this kind of stuff, but it's just, I don't know. But Evan Peters is great. He, he is, is a really, really good. good choice for him. I worry about his mental health. I will say, I didn't know until reading about it, too, that at the time when um, when Jeff was arrested and all these bodies were discovered, basically there was hardly anything. You may know the victim's age and name, but there wasn't really anything about them. Which I think was interesting in retrospect because now it's like, was it because a lot of them were people of color? Or if it was because a lot of them were gay males? Like, I don't know. But a lot of the information about them wasn't readily available. Um, But I was actually reading a lot about the victims because I've gotten to that point now where I've gotten... We know so much about the killers and we don't know a lot about the victims. So I've been reading more about the victims. And there was quite a few of his victims that were fathers. Which is horrifying to me too. Um, that yeah. they left behind, like, little children. But, I don't know. If you haven't, if you don't know a lot about Jeffrey Dahmer, it might be interesting to you. But I would highly encourage looking up the victims first and listening to their... Because they do have family that are still around. Because this happened in the 90s. 
in the late 80s. Well, all through the 80s, really. So there are a lot of victims. I, I did want to... I, I think there was 19. Either 17 or 19. It may have been 19. No, you know what it was? I think he was either... He was formally charged for either 16 or 17 of the murders. And I think it's because out of his 19 victims, they never found remains for two. I want to say that's why I remember well, reading. he did dissolve them in acid. I was going to say real quick, because speaking of family members, and um, so I haven't got to this point in the series yet. It's probably in the last episodes, but they're obviously Jeffrey Dahmer was on trial and they gave yeah. the family members like a point to speak at the trial. And yeah. I was reading because one of the cousins of one of the victims yeah. was like, you know, it's so weird because there's a woman, she's wearing exactly what I wore. She looked so much like me and she's saying what I'm saying verbatim, but yeah. I wasn't. No one talked to me about this. Yeah, yeah, I've heard that complaint. So, and that's kind of like, it's very, I think it would be very startling too. And once again, it's like, not just reliving the trauma what happened to a family member, but really reliving the trauma being in that courtroom staring down that man. Well, and you're also losing your own agency. Yeah. Too, when someone just makes up a movie about your life, because that is just as much about their life as it is about his. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. The whole thing's just disturbing i don't know it's a hard one to recommend another body horror thing that i ended up watching it's a movie i've always went to watch and it's streaming on shutter finally is may oh yeah um which is more of a psychological thriller than really horror it doesn't get really gross until the very end um i kind of thought the whole movie was spoilers about her creating her friend doll but like it's really more that's just really the very end um, did not expect Anna Ferris to be in that. She's hilarious. And the guy who plays Elton on Cl- in Clueless was also in it. Which I, I knew he was in it, just um, I kind of forgot. Like, I recognized his face, but I couldn't remember what he was in. I was like, oh, he was in Clueless. But it's good. I would say it's like, it's it's very similar to like Ginger Snaps, but not as funny. Yeah. I would say. Have you seen it before? No, I've heard about it. And, like, the ending was spoiled for me forever oh, good. ago. I'm glad. So, yeah. yeah. I kind of figured out the ending, even though, like, it wasn't fully spoiled for me. But I was like, oh, oh, that's what's happening. But it's a Buffalo Bill situation a bit. But it's not. I will say Angela Bettis, or Bettis, I can never remember how she says her last name. She's fantastic in it, and it very much like Pearl, it's like someone's descent into madness, and she's a very lonely person, and she does some horrible things because she is so lonely, and she just doesn't know how to cope with people socially. Um, but no one that she kills is, like, an asshole. They're all, like, they're not, like, like, Anna Ferris plays, like, her co-worker, and they have kind of, like, a brief romance, and then, she, like, when she breaks up with her boyfriend, she goes to Anna Ferris's house and is like, hey, um, and she has another woman over there, and she's like, like, she's very heartbroken, but Anna Ferris is like, oh my god, are you jealous? And instead of, like, laughing at her, she's like, oh, you're so cute. She's like, you're my number one, but, like, I had to hit this ass, but she's also like, do you want to come in and, I mean, like, she's not, like, a, like an asshole. She's like, you can come join us if you'd like, which, I mean... It's very obvious that May has never had, like, a significant other before and probably has not had a threesome before. So, like, I don't know. That's a little too much all at once on affairs. But, like, she's not an asshole. She's, like, I'm... She apologizes about it and she's, like... She's, like, I'm sorry. Because they literally had only, like, 
got on one date. It wasn't like they were exclusive, you know? Yeah. They hadn't talked about it or anything, but because May doesn't really have social coping skills, it obviously upsets her more than... I mean, it would ups- I guess it would upset me, too, if I thought I was exclusive with someone, and I went over and they had someone else over. But I yeah. feel like... But also, like, both of those people apologize to her, and are like, May, I'm sorry, like, it didn't work out, but I don't know. It's interesting. I would say it's kind of like a darker Ginger Snaps kind of vibe, because it's like that early 2000s. I think it was 2001 or 2002, I want to say. But it's it's interesting. It's on Shudder now. Like, it was streaming on Shudder, and then it was one of those movies where, like, I went to go watch it one day, and it was not streaming on Shudder anymore, but now it's back on. So I was like, oh, I can finally watch this. And then I also watched uh, Hellraiser, the old one. Oh, yeah. I rewatched it. It was the second time I've seen it. It's, I mean, I will say the body horror is good. Yeah. But it's not really scary. It's just the body horror that's interesting. And then also I watched on Shudder. So I remember seeing this show on Netflix and I never watched it called Slasher. Okay. It was like a TV show about like a slasher movie, but it was like in TV form. Kind of like, remember when they had the Scream TV show? Yeah. They came out around the same time. It was, like, basically the same concept. Um, But I didn't watch it on Netflix. But Shudder has... I guess they had one episode on a streaming service that I'm not familiar with. And then they had one... Two seasons on Netflix. And now Shudder has had one season. So I guess it's the same creative people, but they've been hopping networks. Slasher Flesh and Blood, which is season four, which is the one I've been watching, has David Cronenberg in it as the patriarch of this rich family and they're on their like private island and he is dying and he makes them play dangerous games for the fortune but there's also a masked killer running around killing people on the island so i've gotten through like two episodes it's it's kind of campy yeah i will say like the acting is more along the lines of uh, a hallmark tv show or like a like Remember how I was talking about that really bad Hallmark, like, murder mystery show? Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of that kind of acting, but some of it's really good. It's better than that, but it's it starts off very campy and hokey, and then it gets crazier as it goes along, and people... But it's, like, it's very soap opera-y. I don't know. I've also been watching Hannibal again. Oh, uh, and I, we've talked about Hannibal. I think it's incredible, but it makes me so sleepy. I don't know why. I like oh, it. Oh, yeah, I think we talked about that last week. Yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> I, I like... Yeah, I, I've gotten... In the, I'm in the middle of season two, which the horned person on the American Horror Story newest season, oh, New, New York, York City, City, yeah, looks so much like how Will Graham sees Hannibal in season two. Because mm-hmm. every time like he sees him, like he sees him as the killer because he suspects him, and he has horns like that. And I'm like, did somebody watch Hannibal a lot? And they were just like, it was in their brain to draw that character like that. For that yeah. poster, I was like, it's giving me Hannibal Season 2 vibes. Like, but S&M Hannibal Season 2. I don't know. I'm very curious what the New York City thing is going to be. Is it like the fashion world? It kind of looks it like looks it like, like it. the yeah. fashion world. Yeah. So maybe it's going to be like Blood and Black Lace. Ooh. The, you know, it's like that Italian Giallo film where it's like they're backstage at yeah, it was, like a fashion show. Yeah, I do remember about that. I've never seen it. Yeah, was it like I in think the top it's finally streaming on Shutter, so it might be one we check out 
yeah. sooner rather than later. Yeah. Was it like, like on the top 100 scariest movie moments that I imagine? Yeah, because okay. it's, the, it's the lady in the red raincoat running through the park that gets killed that they show. So I did watch one other thing. So I did do AMC Plus to watch the first two episodes dropped of Interview <gasps> with the Vampire. Okay. How is it? I like it. Um, now keep in mind, so I like Interview with the Vampire. Um, seeing the original movie as a child, I saw it at such a young age and such. It's a, a little campy, but it's. Well, I was always, I was telling a co-worker the other day, I said, so I didn't have the word for it when I was younger, and now I know exactly what it is. There's a lot of homoerotic subtext in the movie. Oh, yeah. And so. The whole thing's homoerotic subtext. Yeah, it is so funny. I was talking with my dad. He's like, I don't see it. I was like, dad, really? And, um, and then the novel. There are two men. They live together. They raise a child together. Yes. Exactly. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> exactly. It's like so funny. And like, you know, the original novel was like written in the 1970s. And so I've read yeah. the first book and it's never explicitly stated in the first book either, but it's heavily implied. I have not read the other Vampire Chronicle novels. But anyway, there's a lot of people, they were up in arms over a lot of things. They're like, oh, the setting is the ni- 1900s instead of the 1800s. And, you know, they were like, they were really upset because Daniel Malloy, who is the one conducting the interview with Louis, um, in the right. books, he's very young. And he's played Which by... For Cr- some reason, I thought that's who Jacob Anderson was playing. Ah. And then I was like, oh, no, he's playing one of the vampires. Yeah. Okay. He's playing Louis, yeah. And he, yeah. Uh, God, he's good. Like, he holds his own so fucking well um he's been a treat to watch but like you know daniel malloy is played by an older veteran actor and um i just i just blinked on his name but a lot of people were just like really up in arms because they're like no daniel's supposed to be young and attractive he was literally played by christian slater in the movie and then in the beginning of the show it literally like it this is not a spoiler it happens in the first 15 minutes of the first episode Come to find out, Daniel tried to interview Louis earlier in his life when he was a lot younger, and the interview went terrible. And so mm. Louis literally offers him the chance. He's like, you're much older and mature now. Do you want to try this again? And so, and he kind of like, it's just, it's so good. Like, the scenes between the two of them are just so good. And I really, I like it. Like, I mean, there's a lot of purists that are, like, they have qualms here and there. But I think it's like, the acting's good. The dialogue is, like, so Louie because he has, like, this very, like, flowy way of talking. And so, like, the dialogue is impeccable. Well, that's why they got a musician to play him. Oh, God. And the costumes are good. The The scenic design is good. I really like it. Is it a perfect show? No. I mean, anyone can find things to pick apart. But literally, Taylor, like... Taylor is definitely, like, what I always joke is my average audience, because he just watches a show, and he's either going to enjoy it, or he's not going to enjoy it, versus nitpicking. Yeah. And Taylor was like, yeah, let's watch the second episode. So I'm like, that's, yeah, that's always a good sign. Oh, let me, let me, uh, I'm one of, now I am in this lesser camp of people, so let me in is streaming on Hulu. Uh Was it a necessary remake? No, but is it decent? Yeah, I liked it. Like, you know. I've heard it's a good remake. Yeah, I I think we talked about it 
when we did let the right one in. I think the only thing that I didn't really like about it was the pool scene. Um, because, of course, as Americans, we just have to make things more gory. I did watch one last thing. And it's funny, it's Ooh, not yay. Halloween theme at all. So I finally uh, hunkered down and watched The Devil Wears Prada for the first time this weekend. Oh my gosh. Did you did you like it? I, did you hate it? So I liked it. I think I would have liked it a lot better if I saw it when it came out. Probably. Yeah, like, it's, I, the fashion is cool, like, even though, like, the fashion is, like, high fashion, you're still like, oh, yeah, this was definitely, like, early 2000s, because I think the yeah. movie was, like, 2006 or seven. I did like it, like, Meryl Streep is good, and Halfway's obviously great, too. Um, It was just fun, though. It wasn't, like, something that I'm like, this movie changed my life, but I did enjoy it. Yeah, I don't think I saw it when it was in theaters. I think I saw it, like, probably a year after it was released on video. And I remember, like, it was one of those movies that was very hyped up to me. And I just remember being, like, I mean, it was fine. It was kind of like Bridesmaids. Bridesmaids was also hyped up to me. And then it was a minor disappointment when I watched it. It wasn't like it was bad, but I was like, I really wish I had discovered this on my own. You know because... what's funny is that me and my friends saw Bridesmaids in theaters. And, you know, everyone was like, this is like the greatest comedy in years. And I laughed. I did think it was funny. But I didn't laugh as much as I did at other comedies I had seen around that time. Yeah. The only part that really had me in stitches was when they were shitting all over the bridal oh, yeah. shop. Yeah. Devil Wears Prada, I was kind of like, maybe because I'm not as into high fashion. I was kind of just like... Oh, okay. Yeah. Tight. Also, the Michael from The Princess Diaries is in it, and he kind of ends up being a douchebag, if I remember it correctly, at the end, the boyfriend. Was he, so is he, like, her boyfriend that's, like, a chef, or is he, like, the, the newspaper writer, the writer that's, like, kidding on her throughout most of the movie? I think he's the boyfriend. He has, is he, like, olive skin with, like, brown curly hair? Yeah. Um, you know what, it's really... Or was that the writer? He, the writer has, like, blonde hair, like, blonde, blonde yeah. hair. Um, I can't remember. The boyfriend, it kind of, like, was interesting to me in retrospect, because I've heard so many people say about this movie, they're like, well, Andy, the boy, her boyfriend was, like, the real villain, because she had a lucrative career, and he didn't support her. And watching this movie, I was like, um... I could support that argument, but I really don't see it because at the beginning of the movie, Andrew, Andy just complains how much she hates the job. And, like, she complains right. about her office mates and everything. And then slowly she becomes really good at it. But, like, then, like, she does things. Like, she misses his birthday. And, like, I mean, like, I can understand, like, him being upset that she missed his birthday. Like, so I'm like, well, like... I, I would get, like, someone not being supportive of their spouse's job, but at the same time, it's like, A, she was complaining about how much she hated it, and B, it literally caused her to miss his birthday, too. So I think those are different things to consider when watching the movie, personally. Well, and also, like, and I'm reading, I'm rereading this just to remind myself, it's also, like, kind of a vapid film. Because <laughs> it's like, oh, you have to change your appearance to be yeah. accepted at your job and stuff. And it is a fashion job. So I get that, but also, like, it's a lot about, like, representing yourself outwardly and not, I mean, I don't know. I don't feel like, yeah, it's a little bit of a shallow, vapid film, too. But it's cute. Yeah. I guess. I don't know. But I will say one thing that I love about that movie is the episode of The Office. Yes. Where Michael's watching The Devil Wears Prada, and he just acts like Meryl Streep the whole time, and then he comes up to Pam, and he's like, I'm so sorry, Pam, I... I, there's a twist ending to that movie and I, I did not realize Meryl Streep is the bad guy. Yeah. Who would have thought it? And Pam's like, oh, you finished the movie. And then he calls her Makushla. Yeah, and she's like, he's watching Million Dollar Baby. Like, he's gonna kill me. 
Um, but I guess with that, we need to talk about next week and say our goodbyes. Yeah. So next week, we are on the Syndicate podcast on the 12th of October. Yeah. I believe we mentioned it last week. Yes, October 12th. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. October 18th is when that episode should come out. Um, which is ironic because that'll be, like, a week before next week's episode comes out. So it should actually have come out the day this epi- this episode goes out, I do believe. Um, because we're two weeks ahead of our filming schedule. So on the 18th, we'll be on the Syndicate podcast, C-I-N-E-D-I-C-A-T-E podcast. And, um, we'll be talking about The Cabin in the Woods with Armand, the host, and then... On next week's episode, so our last Spooptober episode, Armand and um, his friend Aaron are coming on, and we're going to talk about the original Halloween movie. Yay! Yay! For Halloween! Yeah! We've been trying to do this one for two two Spooptobers, and it's finally streaming on Shudder. Thank God! Yeah! (laughs) So we'll be talking about Halloween... The Jamie Lee Curtis, John Carpenter, Halloween. And we might touch on the rest of the series, because I think... I have not seen every Halloween movie, but I've seen the first... I own the first three. Yeah. And I've definitely seen H2O a couple times. I like H2O, actually. It's the it's the four, five, and six ones that I'm like, mm, Which, anyways. So, on that note, take your vitamins or your allergy meds wash your hands wear a mask we've had like more people have been getting a resurgence of covid and now you can get vaccinated so get uh, your booster i think i'm gonna do that this weekend or next week because i don't want to get covid but yeah and be sure to watch all your spooky spooky things and let us know if there's anything you want us to watch that we haven't watched yet and then we will um check in with you next week when we have our guests Yay! Yay. Yes. So, kind of echoing what Katie said, guys. Take care of yourselves. Um, Yeah, because a lot of people do get sick around this time of year. I'm lucky. I usually don't get sick around this time of year. I get sick in the spring. But, uh, yeah, germs, they're happening. They're going around. So, wash your hands. Take your vitamins. and But, hey, it's at least soup and chili weather now. So, that's always a good thing. But, yeah, just uh, on that note, take care of yourselves and each other. We love you very much. And we just look forward yeah. to seeing you um, next time. Same spooky place, same spooky channel. Yes. Stay, stay spooky, spooky all. Bye. Bye. Night, Katie. Night, Gizmo. Night, night, puppies. Bye. And kitties. <laughs> and I guess Taylor. Good night. And we'll just throw the fish in there, too. And fishies. Oh, and the fishies. Yeah. <laughs> Jack and peanut butter. Yeah. Night, everybody. Take care. Good night. Bye. Bye.
The Grindhouse Girls podcast is a production by Katie Dale and Britt Ray. Our editor is N.R. Moody. All music used is royalty-free and can be found in our annotations. You can follow us on all of our socials. And if you have any comments, questions, or just want to say hey, our email is contactus at grindhousegirlspod.com. Thanks for listening.